The following is brought to you in part by MFC Studios. The views of the show's host and guests do not necessarily reflect those of the management, owners, or staff of this radio station. And now, it came from the radio. To it came from the radio, the official show of the Big Apple Con. This is your host, Mark Torres, speaking. With me once again, via social distancing, we have the life with Jenner G's, Jen Elise Feldy. What's up, guys? On this week's show, as we've been doing for our uh, coronavirus pandemic shows, uh, we're going to have our Pronto Comics Dominic Definition Masperano with his comic pick of the week. And we are going to have another Jaybird and Lee segment. But before we do any of that, we have to take it away with the news. Take it away. The news is brought to you in part by the fine folks of the Big Apple Con, of which we are the official radio show of celebrating over 25 years of comic bookness and pop culture stuff. For more information, go to www.bigapplecc.com and uh, go and keep an eye on when their next convention will be. Most likely it will be in 2021. But there's a chance they'll we'll whip one out uh, before the end of uh, 2020. And also want to give our shout-outs for our Patreons, of which there are Danny Grillo, award-winning director Jared Burrell, Two-Sentence Horror, Kyle Horn, Millie Portez, Newsday Famous, Dresden Media, Unjikun, Shadow Rabbit Art, and The Huracan. If you want to get your own little shout-out, go to www.patreon.com, and for a dollar a month, you can get your own uh, shout-out on our show. Uh, we also have... Yes? Can I get a shout-out? You cannot get a shout-out, because you didn't put in a dollar. Okay, I'll send you a dollar. Next show, shout-out. You know, I actually had um, one guy who, who had a temporary Patreon. He was a fake Patreon. He gave me a couple bucks. He's like, here, give me some shout-outs. I said, you have to go on the site... He's like, yeah, but I'm here right now. Wait, what? So one, one guy I know, I was in person with him, and I was like, hey, why don't you be a Patreon? And he's like, well, I want the shout-out. Here's some cash right now. And I said, you have to go onto the website. He's like, right. but I'm right here with you. Take right. the money. Give me some shout-outs for the amount of time that this would cover. Right. So yeah. he, he became a fake Patreon, a Patreon. It's real. It's just uh, real life. IRL. Yeah. IRL. Uh, we also have uh, other uh, awards. We have, um, what is it, uh, Prince. Uh, Prince. You can be a guest on the show. Um, you can hang out with uh, Dominic Definition Man uh, Sperano from Pronto Comics to go to all the best bars and comic book stores in New York City. And our newest perk for just a measly $15,000. What do you get? Do you know what you get? I think you should tell us, Mark. You get a day with co-host Jen Elise Feldy, consisting of two, two prepared and cooked meals along with the recipes by and from her Keys to Live the Life guidebook, a personal training workout session for you and a friend at her personal gym, in addition to all the other perks. That's right. No New York City trip required, no looting required, no change required. 
just the $15,000 is required. <laughs> That's not much. No, it's, it's, it's not much if you think about it. In the grand scheme of things, it's not that much at all. Exactly. Um, so let's take it away with the news. Um, in a rarity, we don't have any sad news. And as I always put the caveat with that, I'm sure some people did die this week, but it didn't make the news. So I'm sure there's sad news out there, but none for our show. You know what's so ironic is that this is one of the saddest weeks in history, probably even compared to the 1943 riots, I want to say. That's the last time that New York City had a curfew. And this is the one time you don't have any sad news? What? The, what? <laughs> it's just one of those, one of those things. Okay. Um, actually, a, a part of it has to do with the first news item. So, from the It's All About Advertising Department, Newsarama, one of the biggest comic book and pop culture themed websites, has been swallowed up by its sister site, Games Radar, which only focuses on gaming and gaming related news. Executives say <clears throat> there is a huge crossover between comics, video games, film, and TV. So Newsarama becoming part of the Bigger Games Radar site makes total sense from a content perspective, as well as giving us a massive boost in terms of audience reach. It means more people will be able to find our content, will be able to deliver better reach for our clients, and thanks to the bigger team and improved support, we'll be able to expand and improve the way we report and deliver our daily content. What's interesting about this is that A, Newsarama was one of the major places that I frequented when I looked for news for this show. Um, B, as most online news sites are, Newsarama obviously was hit by the lack of ad revenue due to the ongoing pandemic. And C, as we've uh, said many times on the show, and I think you're learning, Jennifer, there's no money in comics. Well, that, that's one thing I actually already knew. <laughs> But, you know what? I needed it confirmed. I'm big on confirming, as you know. Yes. Confirm things, so, so I now had it confirmed, and I never had that confirmation, so thank you very much. So now it's going to be even harder for me to find news, which it has been this week, because the entertainment was like on a, on a pause, and then scattering for news items, and then one of my biggest sites I go to is gone. It's, it's mind-boggling. Well, that's why there's no bad <laughs> News down. Well, is it Newsarama? It's is it gone or is I mean, is it just going to be operated by Games Radar? That's what I thought. So when you go to when you go to the Newsarama website, it's no longer there. It takes you to the Games Radar website, and they have Games Radar Newsarama items, but it's not set up in the same way. It's for me personally, it's more difficult to find news items. It's 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 not good for me. So sad. Yeah, and obviously, uh, because people are less and less looking, have less money to spend, the ad revenue is down, and therefore they decide to consolidate and try to save revenue in that way. Well, on a plus side, there's no bad news this week because of Newsarama, so thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so speaking of the pandemic, uh, next bit of news. From the, you had three months to figure this out department. Um, none other than Universal Studios Florida has announced that it is reopening, reopened by the time this airs, uh, at the end of this week, which would be the 5th of June, um, allowing guests into the park for the first time since it closed earlier this year due to the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, guests are being required to wear masks at all times. There will be temperature checks at the entrance, and socially distanced lines will be implemented at all attractions. However, 
One of the biggest attractions for kids of all ages are the meet and greets with the various characters and costumes roaming around the park. While Disney has announced that when they open, those interactions will be removed, Universal has announced that their meet and greets will still exist. However, the characters will be kept in areas separate from the guests, and the characters will also be wearing masks. I mean, it's a good thing because we don't have people just up all up in your grill when you're up in line with them, so that's kind of cool. But what's going to happen to all the actors that were involved in the meet and greets? Are they going to become strippers or the next Elon Musk now? Like, what are they going to do for work? Well, I mean, well, for Disney is one thing, but for Universal, they're still being employed. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm more, I'm more in the mind of how. Why would you take a picture of a character wearing a mask? mask? Who normally doesn't wear a mask? That's a good question. What kind, of, what kind of a memory is that? Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what kids want. I'm not an expert on kids. I'm not even an expert on what women want, but I don't think anyone wants pictures with someone in a mask. Although my grandma does say that I look very cute in a mask, because when I visit her with my mom, I wear a mask, and she goes, oh, you look so adorable with that thing on your face. <laughs> There's one woman out here who's 96 years old who likes the look of masks. So, the, we'll, we'll say 1%. 1% will like that. 1%. Um, executives say, <clears throat> The health and safety of our guests and team members remain our top priority, and we are taking specific measures that include screening of our guests and team members, social distancing, and requiring everyone to wear a face covering. We will also be limiting capacity at venues and increasing our already aggressive cleaning and disinfecting procedures. Um, it's weird because the, the thing about their, their disinfecting procedures it's ineffectual unless you wipe it down after each and every single person touches the surface. Pretty much. Yeah, unless they're just going to fog everything. Every time someone walks by, they're just going to fog it and spray it. <laughs> they'll be, they'll be fog. The, the people in the mask, the characters, will be throwing fog bombs. Maybe. <laughs> I, one thing I was thinking, what about... Is the theft going to be going up in these theme parks because of masks? Huh. I never thought of it that way. Wow. And that was one theory that's been going on for a while, and now we're seeing with the, the looting and the protests, I think people think they can get away with murder when they have these masks on. I mean, even me in the grocery store, I was uh, covered in dog hair, and normally if I go into some type of vicinity looking like such a mess, I, I feel a little insecure, but I had a mask on. So I feel like I'd get away with murder, which to me is being covered in dog hair. So no That's one will know it was you dressed, right. dressed like a bum. Exactly, covered in dog hair. All right. Yeah. That's fair enough. So I think people are going to be more free to do disgusting things, like show up to places looking absolutely filthy. Well. And stealing. <laughs> that, that's, that's a very scary thought, because uh, if you've ever been to Walmart, at 3 o'clock in the morning at those 24-hour Walmarts, you've already seen things. <laughs> and yeah, they didn't I, have masks back then. <laughs> I feel like rest stops are the equivalent of Walmart. You always see people at rest stops, and it is scary. Yeah. It was acceptable to some people on self-care. Uh, yes. Uh, moving on. <laughs> um, we, we mentioned Disney before, so speaking of Disney, from the, I'm not going over there, department... Disney has announced that refunds for the annual pass holders 
has started to be processed and should be arriving shortly if they haven't already. Um, originally, Disney said, <clears throat> all active Walt Disney Resort annual passes will be extended for the number of days the parks are closed. The new expiration date will be reflected on the annual pass holders account prior to the reopening of the theme parks. As an alternative, in lieu of the extension of their passes, pass holders who have paid in full may choose to receive a partial refund for the theme park closure period. For those of you who do not know, there are two ways that annual pass holders pay for their admission every year, either a monthly basis or an, a full upfront. Those on a monthly schedule simply weren't charged for the time the park was closed. Now, this is a, a thing because the question is, should they be charged at all? Because if you have a pass, an annual pass or a season pass, do you want to go? And if you don't want to go, should you be charged for not wanting to go because of the situation? Yeah, I think they should be doing the refunds, which they are, so it makes sense. Yeah, but they're only refunding for the part of the time that was closed. What about the time that it's open that it should still not be open? It's, I, I, I'm wondering what's going to go on going forward with this. You know, how many people are going to be buying monthly passes and year passes? Because I'm in the population that I don't really have much faith in the future, and I don't like to do things so far ahead. So I, I think that there's a lot of people who have a lot more faith in society in the future than I do, and the current situation in the world is going to shake the faith in the future. So more and more people are going to. Less, more and more people are not going to be buying monthly passes and year-long passes because I think that they'll be aware that the future is very undecided and unpredictable. Especially if the companies themselves will just take the money. Right. Like, like well, putting things into perspective, let's, let's look at a movie theater. I mean, uh, before the pandemic, a lot of movie theaters were offering movie passes. And it was a big uh, thing, if you were a fan of the show, we talked about the, the great fiasco that was movie pass. That you right. only paid uh, $10 a month and you got to see as many movies as you wanted. So you have a pass to see movies. Let's say you pay $30 for a year to see how many movies you want, whatever. The movie theaters have a pandemic. Their theaters are closed, so obviously you're not going to be charged for that time that they're closed. But when it reopens, do you want to go back there? Do you think it's safe to go back there? And if not, should you be charged? I mean, obviously Disney and the companies will charge you because that's what they do. So I guess it's going to be a matter of uh, if, if and when lawsuits will pop up and then we'll decide what happens with that. Yeah, we'll have, to, we'll have to wait and see on that one. And then AMC, I think, is declaring bankruptcy. Just a little side note on that. Yeah, ironically, we were talking about that a couple of shows ago, how they decided to not show Universal films, and now they're going to be declaring bankruptcy, so, yeah. Well, yeah, Universal's like, yeah, you don't want to show our films, we're going to shut you down, you hear, you hear? So that's probably what happened. It's, 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 it's so mind-boggling, like, if we were a year ago... Like, there's so many things that has happened, and nobody could predict it, any of them. Yeah. I'm not surprised, though. i got to tell you. I've, I mean, I'm irritated, but I've been thinking about things like this for a decade or two. Right, but I'm saying, in, in, in like, you didn't say, well, this year, this is going to happen, and then this is going to happen, and then this is going to happen, and then this is going to happen. <laughs> 
you were talking about zombie apocalypse and wanting to make my house secure for the zombie apocalypse, and people kind of laughed at it. Ex-boyfriend would, would laugh at it, but I, I think, you know, when I say zombie apocalypse, I don't really mean actual zombies, but I mean people that act like zombies climbing on the walls and looting, which right. is what we're doing now. So, yeah, I've been talking about some of these things, but I'm probably in the small doomsday prepper category. You're, you're in the other 1%? So you're, your grandma's 1% and you're in the other 1%? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but most people, I don't think so. They thought I was nuts. Um, well, that's why it's only 1%. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So moving on. Uh, from Lee, this is as close to an official answer that we'll ever get department. Bill Farmer, most famous for being the voice of Goofy, since taking over the role in 1987, announced in an interview that Goofy is not a dog. Bill says, <clears throat> I, I, I would think to do a Goofy impression here, but it's not going to happen. He is not a dog. Pluto is a dog. But Goofy seems to be the, in the canine family in the same way that a wolf is not a dog, but are also in the canine family. I think Canis Goofus is a technical Latin term for what Goofy is. He's just Goofy. Uh, for those of you who haven't been paying attention, this debate has been spanning decades as Mickey Mouse from Disney has a pet dog on all fours named Pluto who acts like a dog for all intents and purposes, um, while one of his best friends is Goofy, who also displays dog-like features in the same way that another character, Donald, displays duck-like features, but Donald is a duck. A lot of this because I really don't feel like human. People say that I'm a woman, but I feel like I'm homo sapalian. I don't. I don't feel like a human. I don't. I relate to Goofy. We're in the other category. So you're you would be the equivalent, the female human equivalent of Goofy. Yeah, that's how I feel. I think that's what I'm gonna tell people from now on when they say, "Well, are you Jewish? Are you a woman?" I say, "No, no, no, no." Now, I'm almost Italian. <laughs> um, did you ever have that debate in your mind whenever you saw Goofy and Pluto in a cartoon, or that didn't even register on you? You know, I thought of it like with Tigger, because Tigger and Goofy kind of remind me of each other, and I'm always like, what is Tigger? Is What, what is he? Tigger is a sort of tiger, maybe? <laughs> right? Is it a, like a canis? <laughs> what is it? Is it a <laughs> I don't, I don't know all the genres. I'm not an uh, uh, archaeologist, epidemiologist. What's the word here? <laughs> Oops, biologist. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know who does this naming of the species, but yeah. I always thought that it was weird that he had a pet dog and a friend who's a dog, and the dog didn't comment that he had a friend, a pet that's a dog. It was just, it just was. I guess it, it, it harkens back to um, Wizard of Oz, where the lion was a guy in a suit, but it, it was implied that there was other animals that weren't a guy in a suit. Right, that's a good analogy. You know what, I, I think that from a very young age, I just assume that this world makes no sense, so I don't even try to make sense of things anymore. I say, okay, well, this is another thing that doesn't make any sense. Let it be. So speaking, speaking of other things that don't make sense, from the holy follow-up department, Batman. Wait, that's not right. Yeah, that's right. Holy follow-up department, Batman department. 
In an earlier show, we had mentioned that actress Ruby Rose had left the lead role in the Batwoman TV series, and initially, Warner Brothers had announced that they were going to simply recast the actress with someone else from the LGBTQ community. But now, reports are coming out that instead of recasting, they're just going to introduce a new character to take the lead in the series. Um, casting breakdowns are referred to as follows. Ryan Wilder, a woman in her mid-twenties, who is about to become Batwoman. She's likable, messy, a little goofy, and untamed. She's okay. also... <laughs> yeah. She, can you see Batwoman with ears, with goofy ears? That's... That's what Anus Goof is in there. And we'll be like, oh yeah, perfect for the part. I mean, I should apply. Uh, uh, she's also nothing like Cat Kane the woman who wore the bat suit before her. With no one in her life to keep her on track, Ryan spent years as a drug runner, dodging the GCPD, that's the Gotham City Police Department, and masking her pain with bad habits. A girl who would steal milk for an alley cat could also kill you with her bare hands. Ryan is the most dangerous type of fighter, a highly skilled and wildly undisciplined, and out lesbian. Athletic, raw, passionate, fallible, and very much not your stereotypical all-American hero. I find, as I was mentioning before, that they just had a mention that she's an out lesbian. Yeah, I, I thought it weirder that she's stealing milk for alley cats. I mean, which alley cat's like, hey, um, could you steal me some milk? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what they want. Sounds like she could steal some better things. If I'm going to be stealing things, I'm not going to be stealing milk. I, I think it's supposed to show that she has compassion for animals that are, that are less fortunate than her. That's the uh -huh. idea behind it. But it's, it's a very weird description of a character. Like, it's, they, 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 they go out of their way to say, well, this isn't like the actress who we had before, but she's kind of similar, but well, not really. <laughs> Sounds the same, doesn't it? It does sound the same, especially a couple of things that are like, oh, she's a fighter, well, so is the other girl, this is this, well, so is the other girl. But they go out of their way to say that she's not, because while they're doubling down, as we mentioned in an earlier show, the, the, the ratings were terrible for the show. And Warner Brothers wants to keep it going because they're trying to, as, as also mentioned, they're trying to push an agenda. Um, I think it's weird. I, I, it's one of those things I'm going to have to wait and see what, who is actually cast and what her performance is, because that ultimately is the most important thing. Maybe the difference between the characters that the old one wouldn't steal milk for an alley cat and this one will. But the <laughs> big question is, why don't they just make Batman gay? Because that's what we've been talking about, many of us, for years. So that wouldn't kind of make sense. Like, Batman's Robin, Batman's gay. And instead, they got to make the girl gay? Why don't they make the girl straight as ever? Maybe the girl's a player. And they turn Batman gay. That's what I would do if I was in charge. But hey, whatever. I'm not in charge. It's funny that you mention this, and, and this might be one of those things that you may not be aware of, but you do remember the old uh, Batman TV series with Adam West and Burt Ward, uh, yes, right? Right, a little bit, yeah. So in, in that show, they had the two of them, they had Alfred the butler, and they had a new character called Aunt Harriet. She was made specifically for the show because the people who were doing TV said that those two guys can't be hanging around without having a woman present. So they added her, so that way people wouldn't think that they were gay back then in the 60s. She was what rhymes with um, mag-hag. She was the token mag-hag, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, think how fun a show would be 
Batman would be dressing up. He'd go on to be all these parties. Maybe he'd be dressed up like a dominatrix, like the Crown Prince of Burma that I was partying with in D.C., and then we'd be giving a speech the next day, true story. <laughs> and it sounds like a great show. But is it Batman? I mean, at the very least, I can say that, I, I, from what I understand, um, Batwoman was always gay from back, back in the day. So I, I guess they're trying to be true to the character, even though it's weird because there's a rule is that you can do anything and be true to the character as long as it's good. That was, that's the acceptable line. Because there's some weird stuff in comics that if they put on the screen, people are like, I don't know. But if it's fun, then it's fun. Yeah. That's right. So, okay. And as, as a side note, uh, Ruby Rose commented on social media about the rumors that she was unhappy on the set, which caused her to leave. She said, quote, don't believe everything you read by anonymous sources online, unquote. Amen. So I think there's more to it than, than what's going on with her leaving. But I guess only one person really knows, and that's her. Well, we should probably hack her diaries, and that's the only way to know. Or we can try to get her on the show when the apocalypse is over. That'd be kind of awesome. I think hacking is really the way to go. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, potato, tomato, Mark. <laughs> Potato, tomato. By yes. the way, the type of potato and tomato that grows together, I just found out. And the potatoes grow underground, the tomatoes grow on top, and it's one plant. So, so. if you if you connect it together, it'll be called a potato or a tomato. Potato, tomato plant, or potato, tomato plant. Right. Right. Um, moving on. <laughs> from, from Lee, do they know it's fake department? The GEO Group, which operates private prisons and detention centers, filed a lawsuit on Wednesday against Netflix, alleging that it had been defamed in two episodes of the series Messiah. For those of you who don't know, which I am one of them, the series depicts a mysterious figure who gains a following by performing miracles in the desert. In the third and fourth episodes, the character is detained in an immigration facility in Texas, which is identified with GEO Group logos. The suit claims that the show depicts the facility in a defamatory light. The inmates do not have beds and are kept in overcrowding conditions and surrounded by chain-link fences. The lawsuit says, <clears throat> unlike in Messiah, GEO does not house people in overcrowded rooms with chain link hinges as its facilities, but provides beds, bedding, air conditioning, indoor and outdoor recreational spaces, soccer fields, classrooms, libraries, and other amenities that rebuke Messiah's defamatory falsehoods. Sounds top notch. Sign me up. Yeah, like it's it's weird. Like, this is a prison or the or or a detainee facility. And they're like, this is, this is, we have good stuff here. But what's, what's more weird is that it's a show. It's not a documentary. True. You, how, how can you sue somebody for that if it's not real? people get their information from shows and I'm sure a lot of people watching on you know Orange is a New Black think that that's how prisons are run. While that may be true, you it's still it's not the show's fault or obligation if it's a show. Mm. At least mm. that's what I think. Yeah, 
sure, it's just a show, but still, it did have the logos, and I'm sure they could have blurred those out. So I feel like my intuition is that it was strategic to include those Geo logos, and maybe someone making the show had a little something-something out for Geo. Because I would want to do that. If I had something against Geo, I don't like their practices. Honestly, I would want to put them in the show, and I would want to make them look bad, because that's how I work. I'd want to serve some justice. What's an interesting note about this is that back in the day, they didn't, they were, they were, they weren't laws and stuff in place for such a thing. Right. So, a matter of fact, there was, I think it was Seinfeld. I maybe it was another big show that did a show about TV Guide, and they didn't pay for it. They just liked TV Guide. That was that was used to be uh, the magazine that told you what everything was going to be on TV back in the day. Yeah, I remember. No, just in case you didn't. Oh, yeah, I remember looking it up and like, ooh, it's on TV, so exciting. And it wasn't a thing. It was just, oh, somebody mentioned that, and then people, you know, it, it gained more attention for um, TV Guide. But then along the way, somebody said, hey, we can pay people to put stuff, our products, in things. And we can be like, hey, don't put our products in other things, because now all of a sudden it becomes an endorsement of the product as opposed to just natural storytelling. So that's when all these different types of pseudo-names of products are in movies and TVs. Like instead of Coca-Cola, it's Colo-Nola or something like that. But it has a, a, a similarly design. You're like, all right, that's probably Coca-Cola, but it doesn't say Coca-Cola, so it's not. Colon cleanser? Colonola? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's... <laughs> or, or like... <laughs> Or like um, any movie by Sony, they only have Sony products in the movie. It's 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 weird how that that became a thing when before it wasn't. So while they might have a, a right, as you said, because they are using their logos without permission and blah blah, making money and what have you. If they wanted to be a quote unquote real show, but it's still a show, they would use a similarly thing. Just like the five 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 numbers, you know, it's one of those things where it, it it removes the realism from a show at any given point in time. Um, Netflix executive says <clears throat> Netflix use of GEO trademark. Oh wait, the executives from not the lawsuit, but the executives from the the people who are GEO is uh, Netflix use of GEO trademark serves no purpose other than to harm GEO's goodwill and reputation because GEO's facilities do not resemble the facilities depicted in Messiah. Use of GEO trademarks does not further the goal of realism, as I was just saying. Uh, of note, the GEO group is involved in other lawsuits alleging that it pays inmates less than a minimum wage of work for work done at its facilities and also trying to block California legislation that bans private prison facilities in the state, including federal detention centers. Oh, their ears are probably up. So they're looking for everything. Because that's kind of how I feel now, too. I got people stealing my stuff. So I'm making sure that no one else steals my intellectual property or defames me. I don't know. There for this one. I can't comment on this one. I'm so sorry. I, I'm, I, can, I can understand both sides of the argument. My, my, my leaning is towards one, which I, which I pointed out, but I can understand their point and I can see where they're coming from. So it's just one I of those mean, things. I got my logos on my spray bottle right here. Someone put my logos all over their show and make me look bad. You know, I wouldn't be happy about it. I 
I'd rather, hey, can you blur it out? So, you know, I kind of I have some sympathy for Gio in this. Well, um, your, 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 your cookbook, the, uh, <laughs> what was it called? What was it called? At the Keys to Live the Life cookbook, and I have bug spray, too, with my logo on it right here, right in front of me. So, so there you go. So that Keys to, to Life uh, book, if it was shown in a, in a, in a movie... In a, in a positive way that you didn't pay for or ask to be it, you'd be like, hey, thanks a lot. But if uh, it's, yeah, right? Yeah, most likely. But if it's in a bad way, you'd be like, I'm going to sue you. You guys are jerks. Maybe. Or I, I'd find a more creative way because that's how my mind works. I, I'd probably maybe torture. Or, I don't know. I'd find something to, to, for them to give me lawsuits. Uh, a little cumbersome. Mm, too adult-like. Right, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, so, also, sometimes bad press is fun. Sometimes bad press is good press. What's, what's the saying? There's no such thing as bad press? Was it good? All news is, no news is bad news? <laughs> yes. I don't know. Um, so final bit of news. From, uh, oh, I didn't even have a title. I forgot to put a title. From the I don't have a title department. Um, title? They, them news. <laughs> yes, okay. Um, Tidal Wave Comics publishers of the new Tiger King comic that was mentioned on a previous show has announced a new Stormy Daniels comic called Stormy Daniels Space Force which is described as a new racy comedy action adventure series in the Barbarella meets Star Trek meets Stripperella fashion. The series follows Captain Stormy Daniels, commander of the Helix, a starship serving the United Republic of Earth and its leader, very stable genius, Ordon. Yeah, that's brilliant. <laughs> uh, Stormy says, I have joined forces with to create this comic, and Tidal Wave has been so generous with allowing my input. I could not be happier with the outcome. Bonus, I get to add comic book character to my resume. And because you don't just launch a comic book... Executives from Tidal Wave says, We are excited to be teaming up for this far-out adventure with Stormy. We had not just created a fun comic book, but a brand that will include action figures and an animated series. Um, are you familiar with uh, Barbarella and Stripperella? No, but Stormy Daniels. I lived in D.C. and I, I know people that worked with her on a professional level. So I'm familiar with Stormy. I think you know everybody. You know, you know everybody. or you're, you're, like Kevin, you're like the female Kevin Bacon. It's starting to happen like that. I was thinking about that earlier. Because we, we did Mike Tyson. You said Mike Tyson. We did Tommy right. Wiseau. You did Tommy Wiseau. Yeah. Stormy Daniels. See? Yeah, on a very professional level, I was thinking of people that were showing me private videos of her when I was in D.C. <laughs> yeah. My question is, is it going to be, in, uh, is this going to include her cleaning poles and climbing poles? I, I never saw her strip. She was a stripper. Yes. So I never saw her work. Well, that's where the, the whole Barbarella meets Star Trek meets Stripperella thing is. Stripperella was a Stan Lee, Pamela Anderson cartoon and comic book in the 90s about Pamela Anderson as a crime-fighting stripper. That's pretty cool. And she did pole dancing in the opening credits, and she worked as her, you know, her secret identity was in a strip joint. So are there going to be like storms and tornadoes and tsunamis that go through the strip club? So it, it was a weather-related show. So she she was a secret agent. So there used to be other stuff happening outside of the of the stripper pole and her stripper lifestyle. 
But every once in a while, he had a B story involving one of the side characters who was a stripper. It was I thought it was hilarious at the time. I haven't seen it in a hundred years, but I thought it was funny. I got it. And my uncle lived near Pamela Anderson. I think they still live near each other now. <laughs> and she's a very nice lady. You see, once again, you the the the, the six degrees of separation. Right. Um, yeah. And Barbarella was a '60s sci-fi psychedelic. Uh, uber sexy female uh, empowerment action comedy romp. I think that's the best I can uh, describe that. Yeah, yeah, that's what I know of her. So you got Barbarella, Stripperella, and Star Trek. So the the formula seems like a good formula. Definitely. And I am actually interested in seeing this not because of who she is, but because I like the genres that they're putting together. Definitely. Um, and. The, the very stable genius, Don. I mean, that's the hook. That's great. <laughs> um, I, it's, it's, I, I don't know what to say <laughs> about that. You think that's sarcasm? Like, you think like, that's maybe, maybe, maybe just a little bit, like, tiny, tiny. <laughs> um, I, I think that tidal wave comics, they kind of know, they have their finger on the pulse. I mean, I, they have the Tiger King comic, and now they have the Stormy Daniels comic. I wonder what other things they're gonna have. Uh, rioting comic, uh, social justice warrior comic, uh, and, uh, a, a, a wearing a mask co comic, a COVID-19 comic. It's funny that you mentioned the social justice uh, comic because uh, Marvel has been big on the social justice platform in recent times. Uh, cash in, baby. What was those two? Um, I know it's in the New Warriors. Yeah, the new New Warriors is all about that. And I know one of them was called Safe Space. Oh, it was Safe Space, Safe Space and Screen Time and Snowflake. Snowflake Screen Time is another one, so you can actually have people not feel bad about being on their phones all day, which is absurd. So I like it's it's I I I, I don't know what to say. I I really don't. <laughs> I guess it's just one of those. We'll just wait and see what happens. To see what the feedback is on this. That's what I'm very curious because usually I can predict how things are going to be received by the public, but the new new warriors, I would love to see reviews on that. Well, I can I can safely say that much like the feedback on the Batwoman and the Char and the new Charlie's Angels movie and the new Terminator movie, the backlash has been swift. <laughs> And 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 gruesome and toxic, even even uh, going so far back as the uh, it was brought to my attention the, the the Ghostbusters the 2016 Ghostbusters was like the first major social justice thing, and that got pummeled by social media and the backlash. And I saw the movie, and you know it was all right. It, 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 we're having a bit of a social justice war thing going on now, and I saw that June 1st through 7th is supposed to be a media blackout, so a lot of people are doing a blackout, and it's supposed to benefit people somehow. I, I just don't see how not posting online for six days is really going to help anyone. Like, I'm growing a garden. I'm sharing vegetables with people. I'm doing counseling on the phone. I'm sharing actual health tips. We can volunteer and help people. Isn't Aren't those tangible ways to help people? But instead, people want to 
not post online and feel special about it. I'm sorry. I'm just knocking all the social justice warriors. I, I, I had enough of it. Well, all, all I say is one of the reasons why we, our show, most in general, unless it affects our show, don't do politics or religion is because we just want to provide some entertainment. You know, there's other places if you go, if you guys to go see that stuff. And we just kind of do our show and just keep on doing it because, as I've mentioned through many other times, there has been you know, many, many catastrophes, many horrible things that has happened. But we kind of don't focus on it unless it directly responds to our show because people come to our show because they want to hear our show. So anyway, that's it for the news. So we're going to take our break and we'll be right back with It Came From The Radio. Hi, you've heard my voice open and close the show. Now we want to hear your voice. If you have a business or product, you can record a commercial here. We offer 30 and 60 second spots. For more information, contact Mark at MFC underscore studios at hotmail.com. Cosmic Comics and Games of Baldwin is the place to go for your comics and gaming needs. We are now doing home delivery in Nassau County because new comics are back. So if you want the latest comics, back issues, comic book supplies, or magic cards, please call Chuck at 516-763-1133 for details. You can also contact us through our Facebook page. That's Cosmic Comics and Games, 516-763-1133. Thank you and stay safe. Hi guys, this is Xenia Seberg, who played Zev on the show Lex, and you're listening to It Came From The Radio. Hey guys, this is Christy from Custom Cakes by Christy. I want you to know that I'm here for you. I'm keeping my private kitchen open for any needs your family may have. I've been focusing on bread, soups, muffins, quiches, and other basics, but I'm still accepting dessert orders as well. Please follow my Facebook for immediate pickup items. Private message me for custom orders. Custom Cakes by Christy, I-N-C, K-R-I-S-T-Y. Text me at 631-606-8166. This is Brian Downey, Stanley Tweedle from the TV series Lex, and you're listening to It Came From Radio. Comic Book Depot has been in business since 1993. Your one-stop comic book shop for comics, gaming, and collectibles. The Comic Book Depot club membership is $15 and gets you 15% off new comics, back issues, graphic novels, and 10% off comic book supplies. Located at 2847 Jerusalem Avenue in Wontaw, New York. Contact us on Facebook for curbside pickup because new comics are back. For more information, give Alan a call at 516-221-9337. The Comic Book Depot. Me Grimlock having fun on It Came From The Radio. Me Greg Berger also. Now, back to our show. Hey, this is Jaybird and Lee, and we're here to talk about movies, music, TV, and what's going on in our part of the world. Today, we're going to talk about time travel, what era, what it would be like to go back into, say, the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. Right, what whatever we would do. your favorite. Who decade. would we meet? <laughs> Who would you meet? Yes, exactly. Well, I guess that's the thing. Like, where would you want? To, would you want to travel all over the place, or would you want to go to one tar- time period? Oh, I'd be going all over the place. I'd be going to all different time periods. Like, really? it would be so cool. <laughs> well, what um, time period would you first go to? I would probably first go to the fifties because I'd want to see. I wanted to like. I'd want to maybe meet Elvis. That would be pretty cool. You want to meet Elvis. What? <laughs> Do you, you like Elvis? 
Yeah. What uh, what songs do you like, Elvis? <laughs> well, I mean, I do. We were going to do a play called All Shook Up at my school, which is basically it has all Elvis music, so I know a lot of his songs. Okay. So it would be cool to sort of meet him. <laughs> yeah, it would be pretty cool to meet him. Would you have a banana and peanut butter sandwich? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you would? You would try that? You would eat that with him? Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty funny. He's a, you know, he was a big, big star. His hips, do you like the way he shook his hips? Mm-hmm. No? Not so much? Was that weird? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> you just like his music? Yeah. The oh. girls went crazy over him, but I, I'm not crazy, just, I like his music. <laughs> Did you think he was cute? Eh. Oh, okay. All right. You're not like Leonardo DiCaprio. Okay, he's later on. <laughs> oh, all right. So you—he's not in the fifties. <laughs> okay, all right. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, what's one of your favorite Elvis songs? Hmm. I like. Uh, I love Jailhouse Rock. It's just really—it's a really good song. Jailhouse Rock is really good. Yeah. Yeah, I like that one too. I like uh, All Shook Up. I would also get a uh, autograph for my grandma and <laughs> my yeah. grandpa. Like, oh, yeah. That would, they would love it if they got an autograph. <laughs> that's true, that's true. Well, maybe you could take them with you if you're going on time travel. Oh, yeah, that'd be so much fun. <laughs> okay, so that's the 50s. Where else would you want to go? Uh, the 60s, because that's the Beatles. Uh, and also uh, Woodstock's in 1969, right? Yeah, yeah. So Yeah, uh, and like, I would love to go to Woodstock. <laughs> listen to all those bands? Yeah, definitely. That seemed like a, I don't know, it's a lot of people. I don't know if I'd want to be around that. I'm I mean, a, I, I just get there really early, like before anything started. So you'd be there for like two weeks before everything started, yep. basically. <laughs> and you'd have to have a lot of food and water and stuff. Oh, whatever. <laughs> and a tent and all that other things. Oh, I'm buzz killing. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what's happening right now? Okay, all right. That's pretty cool. I don't know. Um, so Woodstock. So it sounds like you just want to be around music. Oh, yeah, totally. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if I, like, also, like, it would just be, and I'd want to meet everyone, get all of their autographs. Like, I'd just be going to concerts, like, all the time. <laughs> so you would just go in time to go to concerts. Yep. Back in time, <laughs> concert hopping. That's pretty interesting, I guess. Um, I mean, it would be awesome, like, getting to meet, like, it would just be crazy. And, like, it'd just be... I don't even It'd know. Be fun. Amazing. <laughs> so would you go back to like the 18th, 18th century or something like that to listen no. to? Some, no. Okay. <laughs> so you wouldn't go no. see somebody like Amadeus or uh, Mozart? No. No? No. Not, not. Um... No. Nah. Wait, I just said Amadeus and Mozart. It's the same people. I'm talking about <laughs> Beethoven. <laughs> okay. Um, right, that's too funny. All right. And what else would you... Uh, just, you, mm. So you would just go to rock concerts? And not just rock. I'd also go to uh, Eminem. He's he's in the 90s and 2000s, but still. <laughs> you could probably still get an autograph from him yeah. now. You don't have to time travel for I that. I know, but, he's, but still, I, his older music is so much better than I feel like his newer music. Okay, yeah, probably, but you know, you'd still see him today. I know, I know. And you can still get that music, you know? You'd have to go, like, when he was doing his early mixtapes at some place in Detroit. That way, before he became famous. Yeah, when he was just getting discovered by Dr. Dre. 
<laughs> right, exactly. That would probably be the best time to see him. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's. Uh, I guess next time we'll talk about my time travel escapades. Yeah. <laughs> All right, fine. Um, anyway, uh, thanks for listening. Stay, Stay safe. safe, healthy, and connected. <laughs> All right, see ya. Bye. Michael McManus. I played Kai on Lex. You're listening to It Came From The Radio. Now, back to our show. Hi, everyone. This is Pronto Comics' own Dominic Sperano, and it is once again time for... My comic book pick of the week. So today, as you may have noticed from the music, we're going to be discussing the late, great Anthony Bourdain, um, and particularly, of course, his graphic novel called Get Hero, which came out uh, July of 2012. If you're wondering why, this is the pick of the week. Um, Mr. Bourdain died two years ago on June 8th, and his birthday is June 25th, I believe. I felt it was an apropos time to make him the pick of the week as kind of June has become Anthony Bourdain month. So here's a little background on Bourdain if you don't know who he is. Anthony Bourdain was an American celebrity chef, author, and travel documentarian who starred in programs focusing on the exploration of international culture, cuisine, and the human condition. Bourdain was a 1978 graduate of the Culinary Institute of America and a veteran of of a number of professional kitchens in his long career, which included many years spent as executive chef at Brasserie La Halle in Manhattan. He first became known for his best-selling book, Kitchen Confidential, Adventures in the Culinary Underbelly. And even though it's not a comic book pick of the week, if you're looking for something really good to read, I definitely recommend getting Kitchen Confidential as well. Definitely not for kids. Uh, most definitely not for kids, but it's a really good read. It's a fast read. As a writer, I really enjoy Bourdain's writing. It's 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 his vocabulary. It's very conversational. It's you feel like he's talking to you. It's very easy to read, very quick to read. It's usually very satisfying to read. He's written many good books, um, uh, like the Bobby Gold stories, which I have also read. But definitely uh, the book to read if you're going to get one thing from him that is not Get Hero is Kitchen Confidential. Don't watch the TV show so much. It's okay. It has um, some funny parts to it, but you know it's only a 13-episode failed sitcom. Read the book. If you read the book, then you watch the show. The show makes so much more sense. I will say that. But definitely watch, the, uh, read the book, Kitchen Confidential. It's good. But like I said, today we're talking about uh, get Hero. Um, I, ca- I got this book almost as soon as it came out, as soon as I could, because it, it really like flew off the shelves. It was so much fun. It was so much fun to read. I felt it was a little short uh, in terms of the ending of it, but it was pretty good. So, to discuss what Get Hero is about. Don't miss this. Ar- this is from DC Comics, by the way. 
Don't miss this original graphic novel from Anthony Bourdain, renowned chef, New York Times best-selling author, Kitchen Confidential, Medium Raw, another one of his books, and star of the Emmy Award-winning hit travel show, No Reservations. That was the show he was at doing uh, at the time. He then moved on to CNN to do um, Parts Unknown, pretty much the same show. And the brand new series, The Layover, which is kind of funny, too. Co-written with Joel Rose, who worked on La Pacifica and Kill Kill Faster Faster, this stylized send-up of food culture and society features spectacular, detailed, and dynamic art by Langdon Foss. And the art is definitely fantastic in this. I, I really do love the art style completely. He did an amazing job. In a not-too-distant future of food-obsessed L.A., where master chefs rule the town like criminal lords and people literally kill for a seat at the best restaurant, Hiro, a renegade and ruthless sushi chef, arrives in town with strong ideas of his own. It's a bloody culinary war of epic proportions, and in the end, no chef may be left alive. Not a bad, not a bad uh, summation, but frankly, I think Bourdain did it better. Get Giro's about a sort of dystopic future ruled by chefs, an elitist near future in a something that sure resembles Los Angeles, uh, where warring gangs of chefs slaughter each other over seemingly inconsequential points of culinary minutia. You know, to, to serve tomatoes out of season might be a death sentence. And our hero is an old-school Edo-style traditional sushi chef who's very good with a knife, who really, really doesn't like it if you abuse his sushi. This is also a world where decapitating a rude customer would be considered completely understandable and acceptable. So in a lot of ways, it's an expression of, of, of both my worst fears and darkest you know, on one hand, Gejiro uh, lampoons and satirizes the sort of worst of foodie excesses and the most ludicrous aspects of, of an industry and, a, and an attitude that I very much benefit from and am guilty of. But on the other hand, you know, as somebody who was a chef for 30 years, I well know the, 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 the inner pain when you work hard, bring to bear years of training, to try to make something beautiful that you love and people coolly abuse or misunderstand it. That was Anthony Bourdain giving an interview to Wired back in 2012. Now, in case you're wondering why is Hiro a sushi chef as opposed to a line cook, a dessert pastry chef, whatever, here's an interview that, well, not an interview, here's a panel that Bourdain was on in 2012 at San Diego Comic-Con. Any question from the get-go, no, no culinary culture, uh, elevates, takes the food as seriously. No, nowhere else. Some sushi chefs, I'm well aware, were, are only allowed to work on rice for seven years before they're even allowed to touch fish. Uh, nobody fetishizes food. Uh, the, the simple perfection, the glory of the ingredient. Nobody, I, no other culture I've ever experienced, or still, would you find a sushi chef? Uh, at age 75, who's been doing the same 25, 30 cuts of Edo style, old school, same cuts of sushi, still struggling every night to, to, to make what he's been doing a million times just a little bit better, still striving for perfection. That attitude is irreplaceable, coupled with no, no cuisine in, in America is both so popular and at the same time so terribly misunderstood. Anytime you hear anyone say, oh, that sushi, it was so fresh. 
the, the fish was so fresh. They completely missed the point already. Um, the best sushi is not the freshest sushi. Sushi is about the rice as much as it's about the fish. So all of those things, which you can tell already, I clearly feel strongly about it. <laughs> so there was never any, any doubt. Now, one of the great things about this book is because it was made in 2012, you can pretty much get this anywhere online. Uh, so, for instance, you can go to dccomics.com, uh, you know, just Google Get Hero, you're going to see a, a bunch of different ways to get it. But you can go to DC Comics, where it's um, available, uh, and it'll, you can get it digitally from Apple, Comixology, Google, Read DC. Uh, you can get it in, through Barnes & Noble. Um, you can also, of course, always get it on Amazon and have it sent to you. So that's one of the great things about this particular book. It came out in the very recent past. It's very easy to get, and it's really a great, great read. The art style in it is just absolutely gorgeous. You're going to love it just for that alone. Um, but the story's pretty good, and it's pretty funny. And it's classically Anthony Bourdain. So if you like Bourdain, if you're a fan of Bourdain, like I am, I even got to meet him once. Quick story, back in 2007, I was a young student at Adelphi University, and Mr. Bourdain came to the university and gave a talk, and I got to ask him a couple of questions during the talk, and then I bought Kitchen Confidential and got it signed by him, and I got to ask him about where the best Guinness in Dublin was, and see, he actually drew it in the book, saying, like, the best Guinness is here, and then as you get further and further out in Ireland, it gets progressively not as good. So, anyway, that is the pick of the week this week. Anthony Bourdain, Get Hero. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this week's pick. Please remember you can go and check out my own personal webcomic at fishysarcasm.com. You can become a Patreon of the comic. It's only $1 a month. It's the least expensive Patreon out there. I promise you that. Also, please go and check out prontocomics.com. We have plenty of comics for download. And always remember... Be open to experience. Be willing to try new things. Don't have a rigid plan. Uh, accept random acts of hospitality without judgment or fear. Don't be afraid to wander. Don't be afraid to eat a bad meal, you know, if you don't risk the bad meal, you'll never get the magical one. But I think most important, you know, be humble, be grateful. Uh, be aware of the fact that you are probably the stupidest person in the room, as far as you are the least prepared, least equipped person to know who's really in charge. So be safe and be healthy. Take care. This is the amazing question, and you're listening to it came from the radio. Now back to our show. So that about does it for this week on it came from the radio. Join us right here and every week on this radio station. If you missed any part of the show, Stop. go to our website www.itcamefromtheradio.com. Listen to the archives will be up any week or so. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter, on Instagram. Uh, check us out on Beyond the Dawn Studios, and we will see you next week. You've been listening to It Came From The Radio with Mark Torres. The views of the show's hosts and guests did not necessarily reflect that of the management, owners, or staff of the station.
We now return you to your earthly scheduled broadcast.